the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like. Come and join us in the chat. Oh, boy. We got a lot to get into. I know, I know, I know. It's just the these rankings don't matter as much. This is your meeting of the CFP Anon here on this Tuesday. But I do think there is something to dig into. As we have a changeover at number one in the college football playoff rankings, it is Georgia, Ohio State at two, Michigan at three, TCU at four, Tennessee falls to five, Oregon at six, LSU all the way up to seven, USC at eight, Alabama at nine, Clemson at ten. Not going to go through the entire top 25. I will say that the notable additions on the back end, where, of course, we know it informs the front end of the college football playoff rankings. Washington breaks in at number 25. Hey, they're playing Oregon this week. Kentucky breaks in at number 24. Hey, they're playing Georgia next week. Florida State breaks in at number 23. That's a team that Clemson beat. UCF is in there at 22. Illinois hangs on at 21. And then Notre Dame fighting Irish after taking down Clemson uh, all the way up to number 20. So, Tom, where do you want to start? Because if, you know, like Jerry Palm does this better than, you know, almost anybody in the entire country in terms of projecting this. And he, as along with many others, were thinking that Tennessee was, you know, going to be ahead of TCU. And yet the selection committee puts TCU ahead of Tennessee after that loss. I uh, just got off CBS Sports HQ. I have not heard. Actually, they haven't even had the committee chair on. So forget whatever the people on the TV show said. What do you make of TCU getting the four ahead of Tennessee at five? I'm happy about it. I was a little surprised by it. I thought that after TCU played another, you know, kind of closest game in which they did not dominate a team, I thought that Tennessee, who only has the one loss and was at number one last week, who lost, you know, to Georgia, which is the new number one team, I thought there was a realistic shot that they would keep them in the top four. But I'm happy because clearly, well, I don't want to say happy, but I think that what they did was they clearly 
didn't really care about the final score as much as they cared about the way that game went. And if you go by the old game control metric, clearly Georgia there was, was no game control. control. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Georgia was in control of that game. And I also think that if you think if you look at it from another angle, if they leave Tennessee at number four this week and say they put TCU at number five, like and Tennessee doesn't lose, how do you justify moving them out of the top four going forward? Like, is suddenly beating Texas enough to put TCU ahead of Tennessee? What if it's another close win? So I feel like it this way, what they're doing, they're like, listen, well, if they win out, they're going to stay in the top four. But if they lose, you know, they've got some games against Texas on the road and Baylor on the road or their next two games. We can bump them out and get somebody else in their place. So my thought on Tennessee is that with wins against Alabama and LSU, teams that – I thought we're maybe going to be in the top 10 and certainly are in the top 10 that Tennessee was going to have a leg up because TCU's schedule got weaker this Mm -hmm. week. Kansas state took a loss. Oklahoma state took a loss and fell all the way out of the college football playoffs, top 25 rankings. But here we go. TCU gets in ahead of Tennessee. And to your point, I think that Tennessee, like there's always a difference in rankings between dropping and getting jumped Tennessee does not have any quality opponents left on its remainder schedule it will be heavy favorites and there is no amount of like margin of victory or anything that it can do against the opponents that Tennessee has left they should win out as best they can be 11 and 1 give yourself the best chance and root for chaos on conference championship Saturday that is still the case right now TCU, you mentioned that they are underdogs by a touchdown at Texas, a game that we discussed earlier on the Cover 3 podcast. They also have that road game at Baylor. This is, uh, this. it feels like the season, or at least the college football playoff hopes for the Horn Frogs might be on the line this weekend in Austin. Yeah, it's, it's a huge game. They have to win the game, obviously. I think that TCU is in that position where they have to win out to stay in. I, I don't think they're going to get the same respect with the loss unless it's a close kind of overtime loss to Texas and then Texas wins out and then they get vengeance on Texas in the Big 12 championship game. I feel like the Horned Frogs are in a position where, fair or not, the way the committee's been looking at them, they have to win out. The Clemson Tigers finished two spots higher than they were in the AP poll. They only fall to number 10. Uh, they were number 12 in the AP poll Do you think this was a a fair treatment of Clemson uh, after the result against Notre Dame? No, because I didn't think Clemson deserved to be number four in the first place. So for them to still be hanging out in the top 10, it's like, look at Clemson's resume. What is What has it done? So it got weaker because it lost Wake Forest and Syracuse, Mm -hmm. but you add Florida State back into the mix and the increased respect for Notre Dame, Cole. Tag it on your bingo card, folks. Quality loss. That's what I want to discuss more than Clemson. Because Notre Dame, a team with losses to Stanford and Marshall, plus the season opening loss to Ohio State, which quality loss. But with losses to Stanford and Marshall, a team that has lost a third of its games gets to not only jump into the rankings, but gets to jump to number 20. So if... The team sheets, which were based on last week's rankings, Notre Dame's team sheet for this week when the committee got together said it was three and one versus teams in the last CFP rankings. Cool. Syracuse dropped out, which obviously changes the math on that from three and one to two and one. 
But of three lost teams, nobody else is anywhere close to that. And that's why I think you saw them jump to the front of the line. I mean, heck, do those other three lost teams have losses to Marshall and Stanford. They do not. In fact, most of them are the quality loss kings like yeah. Kentucky. <laughs> so what in the hell has Notre Dame done to be like, even if I'll just, I'll, I'll glance past them being ahead of Illinois. You don't think that the injury issues at quarterback were part of the discussion. He's still the quarterback. Is he not? But just the idea that at the beginning of the season, wasn't he the quarterback in those games? Like you lose Tyler Buckner. There's a little bit of an adjustment period. It does not explain the Stanford loss, but I do think it explains the Marshall loss. Nothing explains the Marshall loss, Chip. You're Notre Dame. If you're a top 20 team, you're not losing to Marshall. <laughs> Facts. I mean, I would take, like, I, again, I will ignore the Illinois thing because that's, I can understand it even if I think it's horse crap. I'll understand, UC, UCF, they're not a power five team, so they're just not going to get that same kind of respect. But if you compare Notre Dame's resume to, like, Florida State's, like, I don't see a loss to Marshall on there. I don't see a loss to 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 Stanford. I see a loss to Wake. I see a loss to a ranked NC State team, which the committee seems to still hold in high regard because they are currently at 16, despite being the, the backup quarterback. Chip, they've somehow kept winning. They didn't lose to Marshall. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't lose to Stanford. Uh, and- I've always said Notre Dame could learn something from NC State football. That is, a, I have always said that here on the Cover Three podcast. There is no reason for Notre Dame to be at number twenty other than to prop up Clemson to keep it in the top ten. Because you want, they want to give Clemson a chance to get back in. If there's enough chaos in front of Clemson from five to nine or with TCU losing, because you look, there's there's the Pac-12 teams in there. Although, again, UCLA being ranked behind Clemson, come on. But if there's enough chaos with Oregon, USC, LSU can't get in. They're a two-loss team. They're never going to get in. I Tennessee, disagree. they're not getting in. A two-loss team's not getting in unless there are multiple two-loss conference champions. I don't I'm, care. I'm not, maybe that might happen. I'm just – I if the, LSU beats – Is Georgia Oregon, losing twice? Listen, if LSU beats Georgia in Atlanta and they sit the, – again, yes. Like, whoever wins the SEC West earns the honor of getting pasted by Georgia. This is what I have decided. Don't do it, Chip. Do not do it. Do what? not fall for the propaganda. It's not propaganda. It's propaganda. SEC propaganda has put in your head that a two-loss SEC champion can still get in. Don't fall for it. It won't happen unless I, there are three other two-loss Power 5 champions. Look, LSU's remaining schedule has a combined record of 12-13, and 13, but I still think it would be impressive to go on the road against two division opponents and get wins and take care of business against a UAB team with a pulse in the final home game of the season. If they do those three things and then go and beat Georgia, then I think that this is an incredibly impressive team with yet one really bad loss to Tennessee, but then a season opening loss with the first game with a transfer quarterback and a first-year head coach on a blocked extra point. I think two brain is losses. poisoned. Your brain is poisoned by that all is the years growing of growing up swimming in the Noose River. That has nothing to do <laughs> that with have taught SEC. you that have taught you that losses to good SEC teams are better than wins against anybody. That's what I, your brain is telling you. I think that the accomplishments, accomplishments, and the wins that LSU would have put together over the back half of the season, including in this scenario, beating Georgia, which I don't think is going to happen. All right, well, let me ask you this. What is LSU's best win? Currently, let's see. I can tell you, Tom. Currently, LSU's best win is Alabama. LSU's second two best loss win. Two-loss Alabama. 
Nope. You you call it two loss Alabama. I call it number nine Alabama. The two loss team is its best win. LSU. If you want to argue that Ole Miss is its best win, okay. But then Ole Miss has to beat Alabama this weekend because if Ole Miss beats Alabama, then Alabama is a three loss team. That's no longer a very impressive win. Is will Ole Miss be an impressive win? It should be if they're nine and one. But how will com- the committee look at it? I don't know. The point is. A two-loss team is not getting into the playoff unless there are other two-loss Power 5 champions. It's not happening. And looking around, I mean, this is all, we're wasting our breath because they're not beating Georgia. Right. If Georgia could do that to Tennessee, (laughs) the Tennessee team that beat LSU by like 27, what's it going to do to LSU? My my point is we tried to come up with all these rules like two SEC teams would make the BCS or two SEC teams would make the college football playoff. Like it... I'm just not going to rule it out, especially when we've got as many malleable uh, tools going on and, and college football has proved chaotic. But I do think that LSU with wins up, you you call it two loss Alabama, and that's fair, and you're gaming out the Alabama. That's what it is. What but does it matter? Right, what I, that's what it is. It has two losses. But in the eyes of the committee, they are currently the ninth best team in the country, and Ole Miss is currently the 11th best team in the country, and LSU has wins over both of them. Mm-hmm but it's a two-loss team. Its best win has lost twice. Oh, and by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm probably taking Arkansas. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. We talked about that on the show on, on Monday. Yeah. That, that no team has ever been more ripe to be upset, and no team has ever been more ripe to pull off the upset. Oh, and look, Arkansas, and Arkansas is so hurt. I mean, oh, there's, yeah. there's nothing in common sense. Like, all of the model nerds are going to tell me I'm crazy for that one. But just like, no, and look, I, might, I might take a loss, but... All vibes here. There ain't yeah. no way that you're going into Fayetteville against the Arkansas team that is just like limping to the finish line of this season and feeling like you're going to get in and out of there without some some pain. Can't measure vibes, Chip. Can't measure vibes. You can right. measure like waves, but you can't measure vibes. You you can measure waves. That is yeah. true. Very mm-hmm. good point. Thank um, you. Michigan up to number three. Did you think that there was any chance that uh, – like Ohio State was always going to be propped up, especially now that the Notre Dame win means more. How does the Michigan future look to you? I think it's interesting that now that there are two Big Ten teams in the top four, you use the phrase, it means more. Um, Michigan, I mean, they beat Rutgers 52-17. to 17. If you look, at, like, we've been arguing resumes. I, I got to do the same thing with Michigan here. What Michigan's best win is Penn State. Other than that, there really isn't a very impressive win on the resume. But you can make the same argument about TCU, who now only has one really good win, although I would say TCU's overall rep, you know, stack of wins is more impressive. If you look at their top four wins versus Michigan's top four wins, I would say TCU's is better. The difference is Michigan, I think, has been more impressive in its wins. But I would probably have them at four but I don't think they wanted to bump TCU up to three. And they also understand that with Michigan and Ohio state having to play in a few weeks, they're going to bump the loser down anyway. So they just probably saved themselves a little bit of a headache there. So the team sheets include a lot of statistics as we've, as we've talked about. And uh, Boo Corrigan has already talked about balance. And one of the things that's on there is yards per play and yards per play allowed of the teams that are within the college football playoff top 25 and sort sort of currently in the, in the mix for some of these top spots, there are only three teams that can actually boast true balance in having a top 25 op- offense and also a top 25 defense and yards per play allowed. They are Michigan, Ohio State, and Georgia. What Michigan and Ohio State are making up for without having the kind of resume or quality wins is 
numbers on a sheet, which do back up what our eyes tell us, which is that they are very complete and balanced teams. And as long as Michigan keeps running the daggum ball with Blake Corum and playing suffocating defense, then it is going to find itself in position to go into Columbus with a chance to play its way into the college football playoff. Yeah, like the one thing that the rankings and the nerds and all the basic stats and everything all agree on is even if you look at the nerd stats and you correct them for the quality of competition that teams have faced, which they can do and they do do. Don't explain to me how, but they do. Michigan, Ohio State, and Georgia are routinely like up in the, if you look at the graph, they're in the very top right, which is where the good teams usually are. And they're very far away typically from everybody else. So if you look at those advanced stats, if you just look at the yards per play stats that Boo Corrigan rec, you know, used, or you just look at the overall records, it makes sense. But again, if you want to include resumes, I think because of that, TCU is a little more deserving. Coming up on the other side, we continue to look at where the movement could be throughout the Pac-12. Who emerges from that conference? Do they have a shot at the college football playoff? And the group of five race gets very interesting this weekend. All that and more next. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So currently, the highest ranked group of five team is the Tulane Green Wave at number 17. <laughs> Eight and one. They've got a head to head win against Kansas State, which is proving very valuable. Kansas State currently at number 19, hanging on after taking a loss over the weekend to the Texas Longhorns. UCF is at seven and two. They are playing in New Orleans this weekend. No other teams from the group of five within the college football playoff top 25. So apologies to Coastal Carolina, which, while eight and one, has a strength of schedule ranking of 128 probably harming the Chanticleers right there. Uh, no love for Liberty, which at 8-1 and one has a strength of schedule of 106. Mm-hmm. Is this, uh, are we going to see the um, college football, uh, the New Year's Six representative come from the American Athletic Conference? It certainly looks that way. I mean, just based on the rankings, it's hard to admit, like UCF for Tulane, may the best team win. And then keep it rolling. Uh, Tulane would ha- ha- still has Cincinnati on the future schedule, still has SMU on the future schedule. Uh, SMU a little bit, I mean, UCF, excuse me, uh, slightly more manageable. But again, they are five spots behind Tulane and, uh, and currently sitting with one more loss. Anything stand out from that back half of the rankings uh, or the middle to you? Uh I, I am surprised. I'm not surprised, but I am surprised by how much they do seem to like NC State. I, I just think if it it's a good team, I like it, but I'm trying to figure out what the stat is that is propping them up over a couple of other teams, considering they don't seem to mind putting other three lost teams ahead of other two lost teams like Washington, UCF, and Illinois. I'm wondering why a two loss NC State not only gets to be ahead of those three lost teams, but have such a buffer. Hmm. I mean, they do. They do not have a good offense. No. 
So, I mean, statistically, and our eyes can tell us that. MJ Morris has done a great job of being able to provide a spark. But, I mean, we're still talking about, like, a, a team they, that, even with MJ Morris, has not been piling on the points. They've just been scoring enough to win. And, and letting their defense, which, again, I think is fantastic, one of the best linebacking cores in the entire country, I I think yeah. that, that it's got to come down to the fact that within the NC State resume, the Florida State win now means a lot more. The Wake Forest win, like if I was to imagine that they did a top 30 or a top 35, Wake Forest is almost certainly somewhere between 25 and 30. And then losses at Clemson at Syracuse. I think Syracuse, again, would be a team that would probably come in in the top 35 if they were to extend this all the way out. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's again. I like them. I, I don't. It's it's hard. I'm not like trying to be like I'm upset that they're ranked 16th. It's just it's kind of weird to me based on what we're seeing them do everywhere else. Where it's like, why are the Wolfpack so respected because of a two point win over Florida State? Apparently, so a two point win over the number 23 team can get you the 16th spot. Cool. So Let when I was know. putting together all the profiles in preparation for tonight, I did find that there's about a hard there's a hard line after Penn State. Yeah. Like that, that seems to be the, and the dividing line has moved, but right now it seems like Penn State, which in terms of like quality wins, doesn't have them. Yeah. You know, there it's like Minnesota at Purdue, at Auburn, at Indiana, Northwestern. I just got to Northwestern way too quickly when I was listing the best wins on Penn State's resume, but the only losses are to top three teams. Strength of schedule is number 11 in the country. Um, the eye test says that they are a very good football team. It's just that they're a two-loss team that has lost to the better teams and beaten up on all the worst teams. And I think that that's kind of the the line where we say, all right, Penn State is kind of the edge of that top tier. You know, if we were to divide this whole thing in half, uh, after that, it's like North Carolina, sure, they only have one loss. Their best win is against Pitt. Their second best win is at Duke, but they've only got one loss. And then from there, I think that it's a little bit softer uh, within that the rest of those rankings. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you on that. Um, can I go after one thing we talked about last week that got even worse this week? Sure. USC is 8-1. and one. It has not beaten a single team. In ranked in the top 25 of this week's college football playoff rankings. Bye-bye, Oregon State. So sorry to see you go. <laughs> mm -hmm. Its best win is probably Oregon State, which was a three-point win. I agree. In the last two weeks, it beat Arizona, a team that is three and six, by eight points. On Saturday night, it beat Cal, a team that is three and six, by six points. So that team is currently ranked at number eight. Four spots ahead of a UCLA team that has two wins over two teams ranked currently right now. Utah, which is at number 16, Washington at number 25. Its lone loss is a 15-point win or loss to Oregon, which is currently in the top six. Its other wins have all been by two scores or more, except for the South Alabama game early in the season, which was kind of a crazy game. They won 32-31. Probably got caught looking ahead to that one. Why is UCLA getting so disrespected by the committee compared to USC, which gets to be in the top 10 with a nothing resume, struggling to beat bad teams 
But UCLA, who beats up on the bad teams, because that South Alabama game, it was a one-point win, but go watch the Sun Belt. South Alabama is one of the best teams in the Sun Belt. It's a pretty decent team. It's a decent group of five team and has two top 25 wins is at number 12. Explain that to me somehow. Give me something. They should not be that far apart. You UCLA should be ahead of USC. It's not even a thing of being, being far apart. They should be ahead of them. Especially now that Washington has cycled in. That's there's no there's no explanation. And I we're doing the show, so obviously we can't pay attention. I'm hoping somebody asks Pooh Corrigan this because I would love to hear the explanation behind it. Oh, my guess would be that it is like, well, was it really a loss if you lost on a two-point conversion on the road in Salt Lake City? Yes. Yes, still counts, it was too. still a loss. Yeah, no, UCLA, <laughs> UCLA, UCLA's got better wins. Without a better doubt. Wins, better wins, slightly worse loss, yeah. But again, both, like, they lost to the number six team by 15. USC lost to the number 16 team by one. But it hasn't beaten anybody. Its best win is a three-point win over Oregon State. It can't pull away from bad teams. Its defense is atrocious. If they don't force turnovers, they can't stop you. So I was trying to think about, um, you know, the bad numbers on the sheet this week. And so I was like looking for like, what are the ones that are going to stand out? And USC's defense, number 108 in the country in yards per play. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But apparently that stat doesn't matter anymore. It matters for determining the top three. But once you get outside of that, well, the yards per play doesn't matter anymore. So what's the difference between USC, a team that has a uh, defense outside of the top 100, a very good offense, an 8-1 and one record, and no top 25 wins against the current CFP, and the North Carolina Tar Heels, a team with a defense outside of the top 100, mm-hmm. and a very good offense, and mm-hmm. no wins against the current top 100, uh, mm-hmm. against the current top 25. You know what the difference is, and let's be real. The difference is one of the teams is coached by Lincoln Riley and is USC. That's it. That is the only difference between USC, UCLA, and North Carolina that is mattering in these rankings. It's sexy. And the people in that room are just as dumb as the rest of us. They see, ooh, USC. That's a good team. They throw, they score a lot of points. They give up just as many, but they score a lot of them. I, <clears throat> I, I gave you stats and facts when you pushed on this last week and i'm not gonna but i wasn't trying to fight you i was no you were just you were trying to you were trying to come up with their thought process right exactly and at this point it you know with oregon state if because oregon state played washington the river in the sky now it wasn't a river but it was a whole lot of wind (laughs) we didn't get our river but we did get our under but it was like that game was the USC UCLA resume game. And guess what? Washington won. UCLA should not be that many spots behind USC. Uh, I totally agree be, with you on that. It should be behind USC. Say it correctly. It should be be or it should be ahead of USC. UCLA should be ahead of USC. And you know what? North Carolina has a case to be ahead of USC as well. God, there's the clip right there. And we just go back and we put the facts and then that's, that's how you make social media gold. Um, all right. Texas at, we mentioned TCU earlier, Texas falls at number 18, uh, six and three overall. The 
So somebody in the chat earlier when I was talking about uh, Kentucky being a quality loss king, they're like, no, actually Alabama's the quality loss king with losses to Tennessee and LSU. But they do have one quality win with that coming to the Texas Longhorns. So when you look at Texas, they've got the win at Kansas State. But after that, not a whole lot. The losses, Oklahoma State's not going to carry as much value as it did. Texas Tech's not going to carry as much value as it did. Strength of schedule ranking, though, very good, as you might expect, given playing in the Big 12 and Alabama in the non-conference. And when you look at offense and defense, statistically pretty balanced team. Um, Three-loss team is not going to make the college football playoff. But there are other things to play for for some of these teams in the middle rankings. Do you think, could you see Texas going on a little run here at the end of the season and showing up in the New Year Six? Yeah, for sure. Because I, I do think, like, obviously this week's game against TCU is huge. But I also think, like, I, the advanced metrics love Texas. So maybe some of the numbers that go into those have made their way into the selection committee room when it comes to ranking these teams. And that's why Texas is getting as much respect as it is considering the lack of a general overwhelmingly positive resume. I mean, they're the highest ranked three loss team mm -hmm. in the country. Yeah. But if they win out, like if they win out, they'll have beaten TCU. They'll have beaten a Kansas team that might be back to being pretty okay now that Jalen Daniels is back. And they'll have beaten Baylor, a team that is also six and three. So that those are three good teams remaining on the schedule. So if they beat those, they might not be like put them in the top 10 resume wins, but they'd be nine and three. They'll be playing for a Big 12 championship. And if they win the Big 12 championship, of course, they'll be in a New Year's Six. Now, will they get in if they lose the Big 12 championship? I don't know. Um. All right. Anything else before we get out of here? Or Tennessee is your top-ranked one-loss team at number five, followed by Oregon at number six. LSU is your top-ranked two-loss team at number seven, followed by Alabama at nine. Then Utah down at 13. Just mentioned Texas is your top-ranked three-loss team, followed by Kansas State at 19, Notre Dame at 20. Uh, anything else from the rankings that stands out to you? Uh I get a harp on it the same way we've talked about it many times. Kentucky being ranked is just wild. It's sweet. I'm, I'm so. I mean, it was either going to be Kentucky or Mississippi State. They were both hanging out there with three losses, being There's, in the SEC. Like honestly, Kentucky, Kentucky just has the win against Mississippi State. Because otherwise, mm -hmm. that would be Mississippi State. Mississippi State's other losses are to LSU and Alabama, both on the road. You can honestly defend those. They're both top 10 teams. But Kentucky has a win against a loss against South Carolina. Cannot defend that. But they got a win against Mississippi State, and I guess that is good enough. It's just you can't find another decent two-loss team or just a strong group of five team. Like you couldn't just tossed Liberty a bone and given them 25 and not you had to rank Kentucky like it was just something that you felt you needed to do Liberty the teams I had on the cut line that did not make it Liberty was the one that I sort of had highest in the pecking order but like I mentioned earlier um, strength of schedule 106 best win at Arkansas which they just had is fantastic uh, loss by one point at Wake Forest Coastal Carolina strength of schedule 128 but the best win is what Georgia State mm-hmm App State, Georgia Southern, Marshall Army go down the line right there. Wake Forest does have wins against Florida State and the aforementioned Liberty Flames. Oklahoma State was probably going to be done. I was looking. They, their offense-defense splits are bad. 
Like statistically, the Cowboys are kind of letting go of the rope a little bit. I had Kentucky down in the pecking order. Cincinnati at seven and two, but the best wins at SMU and then Indiana. Yeesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Syracuse probably wasn't going to hold on, even though they've got a win against NC State. So had to be Kentucky. Had to be, I guess. It had to be Kentucky. All right, we will be back on Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. I hope you got your mailbag questions in because the way that the mailbag works, sometimes it takes a while for the questions to hit the page, and so we'll throw them in for next week. If you get, if you want to get them in right now, throw them in, and we will tackle them, tackle them in a future mailbag episode, maybe even throw them into the Instant Reaction Show. But we'll be diving into that. Remember, leave a five-star review. Put your question that in that review. We will get to it uh, in a future mailbag episode. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fidel. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Tom, thank you very much. Thank you.